0: In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I wanna invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up podcast listeners, digital agency owners, welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and this week we are hanging out with Jahan Noon, founder and CEO of Noon Dalton. Jahan has over 20 years experience in strategy and outsource consulting with Deloitte and his own firm, he has consulted and serviced over 450 clients with outsourcing ranging from Fortune 100 companies to uh, individually owned businesses like agencies and actually uh, UGurus is a noon Dalton customer as well he's founded three companies in the last four years all companies have relied heavily on virtual employees from noon Dalton and other providers he also has an MBA and uh, electrical engineering degree from the University of Michigan uh, Jahan welcome to the program hi Ron nice to have you <laughs> Um, so, uh, we're, we're going to talk about outsourcing and, and just kind of set the stage. I mean, this is one of those topics that I feel like, um, we all kind of have this itch to do if we're not doing it, or if we are doing it, maybe like thinking about what else, Uh, We can outsource or have a a VA do. Like I know a lot of times when I'm talking with somebody and they're thinking about hiring a big position in their company, uh, an expensive position, uh, there's always the question of like, do we need to hire somebody really expensive to do this? Or can we, you know, try to make our current team more effective? And we've constantly been going through this conversation here at YouGurus. And recently we employed... Uh, your firm at Noon Dalton. We have a dedicated uh, person at Noon Dalton. So we we have a lot of experience working with you. But uh, before we get into all that stuff, can you just kind of tell us how you got your start in outsourcing? Like what was the thing that interested you in this type of a business?
1: Yeah. So uh, I, I originally started out at, at Deloitte and it gave me a lot of uh, a broad view on companies and how they did, um, in essence, their back office. And investment banks uh, in New York are very expensive real estate. So they needed to shift their operations um, locally to different cheaper cities and virtually to India. So that gave me kind of an exposure while when you see big fortune 50 companies doing it. Uh, I, I, it already always stuck in my mind. So when I broke off and I started an event company about 10, 12 years ago, uh, there's a lot of administrative tasks that need to happen. And for me to be able to, to get things done and, and be uh, effective in my budget management, uh, hiring a New York employee full-time is extremely expensive. So we had to be creative. Uh, we tested probably about three or four different providers and, um, they in the beginning and back then it, it is kind of the wild west and it it's gotten a little better but it's still um, uh, what, if I didn't have the experience of doing this at, at larger companies uh, I needed to kind of shape them and what I needed uh, the 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 provider that stood out the most was actually one that listened and didn't it didn't repeat the same mistakes whereas the other the other ones when I was testing them out did so we um, launched or we 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 brought them on they ran a lot of the back end of our website. Uh, ran our guest lists uh, anything we could look at to do where you didn't need to be necessarily on the phone um, they we tried to push to to to, to our virtual staff uh, after a while our other uh, other friends in, in the group wanted uh, to uh, get our um, get a uh, test us out so we brought in a few more people and it just started getting gaining legs and today we have uh, over 300 staff and have two operation centers between india and the philippines uh, whereas philippines focus on voice uh, india's more of the back office uh, operations uh, so it kind of naturally progressed where i switched from the event company and to this full time
0: you mentioned that this was kind of or maybe is the wild west Tell me more about what you mean by the wild west what, what what makes outsourcing overseas and abroad? I assume that's what you're talking about what makes it the wild west
1: yeah, so outsourcing it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and it's really um, the kind of the, the if, if you look at the whole landscape you have your outsourcing uh, locally right so uh, lawyers you outsource for your expertise uh, they're uh, a lot more expensive and they have um, uh, they have knowledge that you don't know. Then you can outsource for um, more. You have the work in-house and you need it to be done uh, for you, but you have the knowledge and you can you can transition that and train that person up to take over that work and more of a labor arbitrage uh, sort of methodology. And in order to do that, where do you go to find these people and find these staff? So usually the experts, uh, you you don't have them kind of on a recurring basis. It's more um, it's more of a project and a specialty. So you have, uh, and then you have your ongoing repetitive tasks. Uh, That's where you would hire someone kind of half time, uh, full time, or there's hourly packages too. And when um, the service providers, there's different. Uh, there's that's where I, I say there's the the wild west because it, it just runs the gamut. You can hire someone. Uh, you can go to Upwork, uh, which w- w- we're a consumer of outsourcing and we're a provider as well. So we outsource a lot of stuff internally to us. Um, so our marketing is outsourced, um, our legal is outsourced, uh, our finance and our finance and accounting is kind of dual, uh, like it's a blend. So, what uh, what, what, what I suggest is, is when it's project-based is going after kind of the expertise, uh, finding uh, usually referrals are, are the best, but, um, uh, like for, for marketing or design, I assume like Fiverr, we've used that for, uh, we use that for kind of, um, uh, not, not graphic design, but more on the, um, infographics. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, so that was a great example of it's very specially. they, they go out. they um, it's not too expensive and you, but you get what you pay for a lot of times too. So we had to go through two or three iterations or two or three people to get, okay, this is the one I like, and then we kind of use them off and on and, and, and it's more kind of project based. Then there's the there's kind of the I want to hire someone uh, where I need them more recurring, more reliable. So you can definitely go and and uh, what's called seat lease where you can go and find a a provider in in a different country and they'll go out, you'll give them the job description, they'll go out, you'll be in the interview process. uh, You'll, and then once they're hired, you, they directly connect you to, and they go into a facility or they can work from home. Um, And there's a lot of pluses or minuses for that, that we can get in later. Uh, But if you're their direct report, and they don't have any a lot of other management outside. And then there's kind of the fully managed solution where you go in, um, there's, there's managers, there's trainers, there's, they're full time employees of this company and you hire them through there, but they're uh, all in a secure facility and they're, um, Managed on a day-to-day basis, and you are direct you can you interact with that person directly, or you um, and you can interact with the management. Uh, any 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 provider that doesn't allow you to directly inter- interact with the staff they're working, that uh, I would. Tr- I would highly recommend staying away from that a little bit. It's just um, you never know what kind of quality of work that is it, going to happen. Uh, and then the last thing is, is there's the kind of the uh, there's the hourly where you can buy a block of, block of hours. Uh, that one's probably the more uh, like to get a taste into it. But the, 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 what we found and what we've found using that, that methodology is you get different people. So unless you have a very specific task, that's very basic, it works really well. If it's not, you're going to start to run into some challenges.
0: And you guys would fall under the fully managed being Correct. able to, yeah. no, no, to direct because, yeah, that's I think what we have with you guys. I don't even know. Our, yeah, yeah. no, our no, lead no. is the one that uh, that works with with the team member we have from your company. So uh, I'm a little yep. disconnected from that. But
1: uh, so it's a fully
0: managed solution where you have a person, but we're not responsible for like the day to day manage of that personnel. More just we make sure they're doing the tasks that we want to be have done correctly and can communicate about what's right and wrong about what's happening right
1: correct yep and and yeah we we definitely tried out a few models of the hourly of um uh, like kind of packages and it we we were frustrated and and our clients were frustrated because you just couldn't manage prioritization Hmm. So when, when, when two or three clients have that are sharing the same staff, cause they don't have that all needs things done on the same day. Yeah. You can throw another person in, but they're not necessarily familiar with that. And it really complicates things from us. Maybe other companies have successfully do it and that, that's awesome. But uh, we understood what we're good at and what we're not good at. And over the 10 years that we've been in business um, one of the best things is, is, is being honest and upfront and saying, these are the things we can handle and we've done it before, or we don't touch this. That's not our specialty. And let's save everyone some time.
0: I feel like with outsourcing, I mean, with when I bring this up with digital agencies, uh, I get a range of responses, just even bringing up the idea of outsourcing their production work, for instance, where Maybe you're a web design agency and you're building websites for clients and you think to yourself, well, maybe I could save money or maybe I could, you know, bill more. If I have some help here, I'm going to go outsource. And I know for us, uh, early on in our agency, we outsourced some stuff to the Philippines. And I remember we had maybe two days before a project was due. We weren't getting a response, uh, it, it was kind of like our, our subcontractor there went dark on us and we li- later found out we ended up having to hire somebody else to go in and work overtime and get this done. But we didn't get contact back for another two weeks. Turns out they had um, there something had happened, a conflict with the building owner and the team had actually been locked out of the building and the local police had taken all of their computers and they all basically had to start over on their own and work from home, and it was just this crazy situation where we're like, okay, the sheriff came and confiscated all of your stuff. Like, I don't know whether that was true or not, but it happened, right? I mean, we basically lost a team two days before something was due, and I remember feeling just so, uh, like, I'm never going to outsource again, which I think in the in in retrospect, that's the wrong mindset, because the long-term benefit probably would far outweigh these little mini-crises, uh, but you know, have you ever experienced stuff like that? I mean, is that something that's common for uh, for people that are outsourcing? Should we just expect that there's <laughs> going to be some crazy stuff that happens? But over the long run, like, you know, it's like well, keeping your money yeah. in the market, right? Like you don't yeah. want to pull your money out and put it back in, right? You want to just stick with that strategy.
1: Yep. And, and, and that's why kind of the Wild West, that those sort of things happen, right? And, and there's uh, definitely some horror stories but in general you got to understand you have to have realistic expectations and and a lot of people come come thinking they've never done a process before and i'm just going to hire this person they're going to just do it for me and if you have that chances are you got about a 0.5% chance of, uh, of, of, of of success because you're looking kind of more for a budget solution. Um, for those, you need to pay for that experience. You need to pay for that. So the horror stories that, I mean, um, we've had uh, a situation internally. There's, there's a couple, couple, couple stories that uh, uh, were new to me. Probably about eight years into the company, uh, our partner over in India goes, uh, we're going to have to let the clients know that we might potentially have to shut Uh, the, the, the government is shutting the internet down. Uh, there was kind of some political unrest, what? and yeah, 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 the whole, whole state—they were shutting the internet down.
0: It's kind of like, no, no matter how bad we think politics are here in the country, <laughs> you take away my Instagram, and we're going to have some serious problems, right?
1: Yeah. So, so this was like, okay, well, let's get ahead of this. So we we'd send out this uh, this like a letter from the CEO about how this is a, a very unfortunate situation. Uh, we have we don't know if it's going to. Totally happened. We have our business partner. And that's key. Having someone local in like, someone local in the country, is so unbelievably important. Uh, what our business partner did was he actually went to the government. We were one of two people in the all the state, the whole entire state, that had their internet connection stay on during this blackout. And, and that was, that, that was one, a testament that we picked the right partner. And, and, and two, it was being honest with the clients because stuff like this happened. Like in, 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 our old location in the Philippines, we had floods and no one could get in. And it's just, it's just a little bit of a higher risk. The infrastructure there isn't as good. It's way better than it used to be 10 years ago, but there's still, we have two to three backup lines. We have backup generators. Uh, We have a lot of contingency things contingency plans because if you don't, you're going to to get caught with your pants down and it's going to make a lot of people. I mean, when you have 300 staff, if everybody goes down, that is not a good day. So um, obviously uh, if catastrophic things happen, that's why we uh, have other locations as well. So if something that we have backup, uh, we have uh, documented processes in the cloud, uh, worst case scenario, we can shift things over to another facility need be. But those are that's the difference between kind of a, a managed versus a um, I'm just going direct. Uh, we have some horror stories of our clients that come to us and say, Hey, I've I got burned. I, I hired uh, I hired someone. Um, got them all set up. Got them a computer, everything like that. And then two days later, dark, gone, and they just got a new computer and now they're doing <laughs> something else uh and that blows and, me
0: away. I just I don't know, it, it, whatever, you know, I guess that's part of their game or maybe there's good reason behind that, but I mean that's the kind of stuff that you hear that I think makes people either scared to dip their toe in or they try it and they lose a, you know, $2000 computer and 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 now it's I'm never doing outsourcing again, which again is probably not the right mindset over the long run if you have these types of tasks or certain, you know, repetitive or I'm not going to say low value because, you know, we have you guys doing some what I'd consider high value tasks. They're just really easy to show somebody how to do. They're not things that, um, you know, we need to have a, a, a local person who's, you know, fluent in our culture and society to be doing.
1: Exactly, and that, that that's really the, the the breakdown of looking at your tasks um, with kind of a a, a very neutral um, a very neutral perspective and saying, does this local staff when I'm paying X dollars per hour really need to be doing this? Is this really a core part of their job, or? Is it, is it low value, or not necessarily low value, but um, low value to them based on what they're paying? So I like to call it right sourcing, right? The uh, right skill sets, uh, the right amount of kind of allocation of time, and the uh, right amount of pay. So uh, you can really uh, mix and match. If you supplement, um, what we found is if you supplement a, a dedicated staff to be able to learn uh, those, those easier to learn tasks, free up your time to, for your... For your t- your local team to focus on the kind of the the harder the higher end uh, more more revenue generating more client interaction uh, or just more creative that's uh, that's where that's where we lie in our in our in our um, kind of um, our kind of specialty or what we really focus on.
0: One of the places. I feel that a lot of people start with this idea of outsourcing. I mean, there's the production side. Oh, I'm going to have somebody in India develop these websites or do the coding or do some of the things like that. I know that's very common, and we did that, and we had all sorts of – you know we had some wins with that. We had some challenges. But the other place that people go to a lot of the times is administrative work or virtual assistant work, which I always find is kind of – I don't know. It can be hit and miss. Like we start to imagine, okay, well, what should a virtual assistant do for me? Well, maybe they should book my travel or other things like that. I'm like, well, I travel like twice a year. Like it's not that time consuming for me to figure out travel, but there's these other, I would almost call them like not assistant tasks, but like administrative tasks throughout every department within my company where we've actually had a lot of wins in this area, where we look at things that our sales or marketing are doing, or where our you know our, our our product manager is doing, or our administrative or or uh, you know admin people are doing, that are those kind of repetitive, easily trainable tasks. Like we get a lot of lift there, but I, I've always had a hard time going. Oh well, should I have somebody checking my email and filtering out my inbox to to help me as a VA? And and I I personally have never had a lot of success in that. But I have yeah. had success in the more, you know, hey, here's this block of tasks that's taking somebody in our company 10 hours every single week to do. Could we, you know, shift that over to somebody else and not, you know, and free up 10 hours, right?
1: Yeah. And, and I think it's probably valuable to um, dispel some of the myths that are out there. And this is from many years of experience. So people that think, people think that there's certain tasks that are just easy. And... Um, they're not when you transition them over to somebody else. It can be done, uh, but it's just set at level setting and you're having a realistic expectation of how complicated, how many decisions need to go into something. So, for instance, you said uh, monitoring an email, right? If you're doing it in offshore or even locally, trying to, trying to convey to someone what's important to you, what's timely, what's the prioritization, there's no structure around that it is going to have a lot, there's gonna make a lot of people unhappy. The Person trying to do the task, you because it's not doing it being done right. And it's it's gonna take a lot of mentorship to build that person up, to be able to go through your inbox and figure out what's there. So what we've done, and we work for a few private equity companies that they're interacting with like billionaires. So we need to have everything extremely uh, accurate. Um, and one of the hardest things is, is scheduling meetings. It seems simple, but when you have two or three people on that chain, one person can do one day, then you don't hear back. What, what's, when do I follow up? What's too pushy? There's all, the, it's, it's an art form almost. Oh. And, and, and then how do you put it in their calendar? Um, like what name goes first? Like, I mean, it, there is a lot of stuff to go behind the scenes to that. Whereas, and then when you said travel, that one is, uh, I travel probably over 100,000 miles a year. I don't have my staff doing it, and I own the company because I am so particular about my travel. If I didn't care about like I just wanted the cheapest and whatever, yeah, go find me these flights. But I am very specific on what what time I want to get in, what like uh, what lounges, all these certain things that it just it just it's just too hard to train someone that uh, and then even when it does, it's 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 not safe that much time.
0: You're you're removing so much. Uh, I should be able to have a VA do this type of work for me, guilt or shame that I personally have. Because I've I've done the VA thing where I have, you know, I'm like, okay, you're going to book my travel. And then we go back and forth. And, you know, my three digit, you know, uh code on my credit card wasn't put into her doc, right? Or, you know, she or he gets me booked at, you know, some weird time. And I'm like,
1: okay, well, I'm never doing that again. Right? I end up you know, oh, leaving at five there's in the nothing morning. Worse than, there's nothing worse than being on the trip and being like, you've got to be kidding. I flew into JFK and I'm leaving out of LaGuardia or something like that. Like just little things that they've never been on flight sometimes, or they're not, they're not travel agents. So they're, that you can't expect them to be experts in that. And executive assistants, I mean, good executive assistants make 80, 90, a hundred thousand dollars. And, but they, they're the ones that can help shape you. Um, if you're paying between like, and $2,000 a month, you're not going to get that experience. Mm. So, so it, it, it all goes back to kind of, you get what you pay for. There is a lot of value and it's a build versus buy. So you can build someone up and have a huge ROI, um, And then uh, or you can buy it, but you're obviously going to pay a lot more for that. So if you're looking for the long term, I always recommend build, but build in a secure location, meaning uh, do they have backups? If, If that person leaves, do you have to retrain? And that's one of the biggest things that that. Uh, when we started our company, is is um, really we look at a, a long term solution because people are going to leave no matter what, and we're almost more robust because than your local staff because if you have turnover, you're you've got to do all the retraining, whereas we have managers and people that can help. They're not not going to be one hundred percent, but you're going to be way for the long than you would have if you uh, if you didn't have that. So I want to walk through some of the things
0: that, um, maybe kind of some of the general departments or, you know, now that I feel better about not having a VA uh, book my (laughs) travel job. If I'm (laughs)
1: I'm not doing it and I have 300 staff I could assign this stuff to, chances are, I mean, you can do it, but it's, it's just not, it's not worth it based on my taste.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I know agency owners struggle with is, They, them as the owner, maybe they're a one, three, ten person shop, and and they are kind of the most effective salesperson. And I I was actually just uh, at the the EO Colorado retreat, and I was talking to a a, a SEO company uh, founder. They're about three or four million dollar a year company, and you know he had a sales team, and he you know he still realized he is the best closer. People just love to. Interact with him. He can qualify better, and all this kind of stuff. But obviously, if you're now if you're the solo salesperson for a three million dollar year company, like your sales time has to be really efficient. I know a lot of agency owners struggle to find other people to sell. Their agency's services as good as they do, or it's a really expensive seat. You have to afford a $100, 150000 dollars commission bonus structure to get a really good um, salesperson in that seat. So, is there an opportunity to use, um, you know, uh, an offshore team? Not to sell. I mean, you mentioned that your folks in the Philippines are, are your voice team, uh, but is there, you know, a way for somebody in that situation to leverage your team to to do that? Like, how do you guys help people sell better?
1: Yeah, I can I can give you personal our, our experience of how we did it internally, and and that could give you kind of a, a insight of what it really takes to do this. We actually successfully have outsourced our sales process. Uh, we have Ooh. a team of thirteen people in the Philippines, but this took us two and a half years to to get to that point. So, and it, and it's still there's still challenges, but these people are selling our service, and it is not easy because we're. Like with, if you're a digital agency, you have certain things that you specifically do and can. Whereas we have to learn, understand what the client does, where we can fit in. Are we a good fit? And there's a there's a there's a lot of complexity. So if we were able to do it. Um, y- you can too, but with a big asterisk, <laughs> and this is about as big as you can possibly get, is um, you need a dedicated manager that knows how to manage a sales team, how to have a repeatable process. You need all the sales process structured before you even should even remotely even talk to somebody else that's outsourcing. So somebody and, in your agency has to still kind of own the sales oh, bucket. Absolutely. Mentorship. Mentorship. Okay. Uh, like there there's you're creating a sales org. You're you're not just saying, hey, I'm gonna hire some salesperson. You have to just from the ground up build them up from scratch. And they can be done. And and you can the nice thing is our 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 I think 13 staff cost the same or no, sorry, about, I think about 10 cost the same as maybe one and a half of our local US staff. And okay. they're all, so so even, yeah, even
0: if they were each one was fifty percent effective as one in the states. You know, collectively yeah. they are way I, more powerful.
1: I, yeah, I mean, let, let let's just say let's it's two thousand dollars a month for a salesperson in the Philippines. Uh, and that's kind of with commission with that sort of stuff. Um, and then you're paying someone a hundred, a uh, hundred and fifty thousand, then that's a uh, pretty easy math to figure out, but it, it, it they're not going to be performed. They're not going to go to events. They're it's, it's more getting lists. So what, what, what we do is we have our India team, uh, database lists of business owners. Um, you can give different criteria, different areas of, of the U S uh, you can have them research the website. Do they have a blog? Do they they have like so. There's all these parameters you can do into the lead gen uh, to then build it up. Then we transition that over to our CRM, and then those get leads get assigned to uh, by our sales manager in the Philippines um, on who to call. There's scripts. There's uh, recorded calls. There's feedback on those recorded calls. There's um, it's an ongoing process. It's not just here you go. Set it and forget it. Um, and it was a struggle in the beginning. <laughs> well,
0: so Johan. That sounds like some ninja stuff, and maybe we'll come back to completely outsourcing your sales operation, which is interesting to me. But when I'm, again, kind of coming back to the uh, three-person agency owner, they're spending a good amount of their time doing sales, they... Uh, like, is there any hope for them to leverage outsourcing as a way to spend more time in the higher value elements of sales, i.e. being face-to-face with the client? Or what are some of those things that they could do to really amplify their sales efforts without letting go of the vine
1: 100%? Yep. I actually have um, – we kind of have a, a, a framework of how when we when a client comes in they want to do sales, we actually s- – push back if they don't have certain things in place so kind of uh, like um, kind of step one is do you have leads <laughs> so if you don't have leads getting like going out and researching leads is probably one of the. it's extremely important because you need numbers but it's, it's a huge waste of time if someone senior in the company is doing it or even someone junior. So you can get uh, a, a, in essence, a lead generation team where uh, you can have your staff building leads, taking those leads and and you got to know what you're going to do with them after, right? Are you yeah. emailing them first? Um, what's the structure? How many, how, how many emails uh, can you find out if they've opened? So depending on what CRM you use, your staff can upload those into that. If you have a template, a template based on um, what gets sent out, uh, those get sent out, then the, the, your virtual staff could go in and run that report and give you a list to call or give your salesperson a list to call. That's the key is you, you run the process from start to finish all the way internally, and then you can give feedback to the lead gen. What you don't want to do is go back and, and just, hey, hey, database, ton of this stuff, never test it, then blast and realize, oh, those were, half of those were wrong. So I, I really, really try to train our clients and, and guide them and say, doing things incrementally is by far the mo- the best approach because you, you're just so much more efficient by than having big, big mistakes that, that if you're working for a month, I mean, we work 48 hour work weeks, you can get a lot of stuff done in that. Um, so if you send them off in the right, wrong direction, cause you didn't realize a few things you didn't test the process through, then you can uh, um, really go a lot slower than you need it to be. So, so
0: so yeah let's say I'm so I'm an agency owner and I'm you know maybe my lead gen situation is really my problem I don't have a sales problem I'm just not having enough conversations with people that fit a good profile of who my customer is Uh, And I want to have more of those conversations. So you kind of mentioned that your team in India does the kind of bird dogging and goes out and finds builds a database. Your team in the Philippines actually does the sales. But let's say I'm an agency owner, and I want to do the sales, I want to be the one that talks to the clients, I want to be the one that's submitting proposals. So how could this uh, person abroad kind of help me? Is it just building my database for me? Or is it going a step
1: further than that? Nope. There's, there, there's a few options and, and hopefully they, they understand that the difference between inbound leads and outbound leads, uh, it's the outbound is, is, is totally a numbers game and scale. So for kind of for, for us to send the email, let's say you get a 5% open rate. So that gives you a, a list of people you can call. Uh, we have, um, uh, there's a difference between full sales and actually appointment setting. So how we stru- how we structure our sales team is, is they first start out as appointment setters. Can you get someone on the phone? Can you get through the gatekeeper? Uh, can you set up an appointment for the CEO or your now the senior sales staff to talk to? Um, and now uh, so so in essence, you could hand those leads over to the uh, uh, someone either local to your staff or someone. Uh, uh, overseas with good English skills to um, see if there's any interest or if the, in the market. And you have to have a script. Um, and w- w- it's, it's different when you're the owner talking to someone cause you already have credibility. So you have to make that script pop a little bit saying, Oh, I'm calling on behalf of uh, the, the CEO. Um, he's interested. Or, we look through or make it as personalized as possible to make them go. Okay. This is cause, cause uh, honestly, like there's a lot of marketing out there. I mean, Digital agencies are good at marketing, right? (laughs) So, this is you're going to be one of many going to these clients. Uh, So, getting through to them and the decision maker is not an easy task when it's just kind of cold.
0: And you mentioned, though, that because it's hard, it's more of maybe a numbers game. I mean, the script matters. Obviously, you want a good script and you want a good process, but uh, at some level, is it just that this person can do this 48 hours per week that it's going to get you
1: results? Yeah, yeah. so the the, the calling is probably the, the the biggest where we used to just do email and email would, it's great. They open it and occasionally they would respond. But our, our product is so not, uh, oh, I totally get it. It's an educational sale. And if you have an educational sale, you need to have people on the phone dialing, 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 dialing. It is a grind, but it, it, it works because we wouldn't have what we have right now if 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 it wasn't uh, for my business partner that uh, he ran a mortgage uh, working company, and he knows it's 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 a numbers game. So even with business owners, it's it's the same thing.
0: Is it culturally different, let's say in the Philippines, that somebody's? I mean, I just think about dialing potential clients forty eight hours. A week you know I mean is it realistic for somebody it's, to say well, it's
1: 40 in, in India we do 48 in Philippines 40 just because okay. it's uh yeah it's a d- different um uh, India they're used to working six days a week but we switched it to just Monday through Friday um, in the Philippines it's 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 40 but the 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 customer service culture of Philippines is great the sales it's a lot harder to find okay. so so that's why they need coaching they have they have to take it's culturally not the same so to be an aggressive salesperson they're still not aggressive so, if you need a really aggressive person, I suggest sticking to the states. Uh, but if 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 it's more of an appointment, or if it's a straight sale, or if it's a product that you just you can get to a hey a yes or no pretty quickly. So, do you have a blog? Are you using this? Or like really qualifying questions? That's no problem. We do a lot of recruitment process sourcing where we do pre screens as well um, out of our Philippine uh, location, and that uh, that works really well. So I think it's just understanding how difficult your sales process is and then having realistic expectations of how many, how many dials do you need to get how many appointments, how many appointments turn into how many closes and, 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 and kind of run those numbers. But it takes probably a good three months, uh, to just get that person comfortable in, in handling objections, handling, uh, what do I say in these scenarios, all that stuff where they're kind of up and running. So if someone goes in, could we give a five day trial, uh, but it's more just to help with a training and a setup. It's not, if we tell them if they expect someone to be closed or a sale by the end of five days, that's happened. I think once in all the clients we brought on, uh, it just, it just doesn't work like that, unfortunately. So I'm not trying to, I'm, it sounds like I'm trying to bag out. <laughs> uh, no, 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 it makes sense. I, I mean, I, I, I think I'm really I'm really trying to give people a, from the inside view because people are going to try to sell you. Oh, we can do this. Yeah, yeah. And and our culture is the opposite. We're like almost like no. Oh, you know what? Maybe we can do that. Let us show you what we can do, uh, because it's a waste of our. We only work month to month, so it's a waste of our time. We lose money in the beginning, so we only want clients that we know that are going to be successful and happy with our service.
0: So how many qu- calls? Uh, You know, let's say I have this person that's working full time and they're out there doing lead gen for me, uh, setting appointments for me. Let's say I'm a a Denver digital agency and my ideal customer is uh, people that are using, um, you know, doing online marketing, uh, one to ten million dollars a year and are using WordPress in the Colorado Area Right. So I've kind of, and I'm just making this up, but let's say I define my profile, create some data sources, or I find, you know, some databases of, of contact information. And I just hand that over to, uh, my, my outsource team. How many phone calls per week would I expect that person to be making, uh, to help set up appointments for me?
1: Yep. I think, unfortunately, I hate this answer, but it's true. It it all depends on um, how easy or hard they are to get through. So if they're having lots of conversations, um, that's great, right? So we report on number of dials, then number of kind of conversations or someone that picked up where you actually talked to them, and then number of pitches where you actually got through your script or your your kind of approach, and then number of appointments. And that's like pitches for like actually setting up an appointment point up. not point okay cool yeah yeah so so you're getting why you're why you're calling if if you have time and then you actually have your appointment so if they're getting if they're calling 60 anywhere between 50 and 70 a day i think uh, it all depends too is what you need to record um like because we don't use power dialers uh because the second someone picks up and, it, and it's delayed. Like there's, there's lots of different things that, um, that, 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 can happen. So we just go slow and steady versus just trying to pound up, pound the numbers and, and not, uh, and kind of potentially offset someone. Uh, and then uh, one of the, one of the things that we find out is, is, um, what times of the day are people getting through? Um, like we can we can kind of go back and analyze. Hey, does it make sense if I come in a little earlier or stay later? Uh, it just it just runs the gamut on uh, how we would structure. But I would say if you're getting one to two appointments a day, that's a huge win. Uh, I would say like maybe two to three a week, that's still really good unless you have a very very high demand product.
0: Which is. I mean pretty good, I guess when you think about it if uh I mean, if there I were to cool people. yeah <laughs> if I were to if I were to spend my time trying to drive two to three appointments per week uh doing outbound, uh I mean maybe I could do it in less than forty hours, but I even let's say it takes me ten or twenty hours to set you know three appointments I mean that's still. Uh, a huge chunk of my day that can
1: be, the, can be, the other, yeah. The other thing, the other thing you're forgetting is it sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but calling people just, just emotionally. Yeah.
0: So how do they do? How do they do? I mean, I don't, I feel like I'm, you know, there's this thing of, I outsource it and you get this kind of, you know, I mean, you know, there's a, a, a misperception that I'm having a robot do this, or I think there's a bad, uh, some, sometimes when I, when I hear about how people treat outsources, it just makes me cringe. Right. Um, yeah. But how do they do with it? Do you guys, Or, you know, do you have to have
1: like an emotional support team for your call call center? It's not as like because everybody around them is doing it. So when you have a salespeople mm. so ideally, I mean, if you're going to really, if, if I were to go back and kind of do this again, we started with one and that's like, ideally, if you have the budget, start with three, find out who the performers are, get the, get the other ones out and just kind of have it a kind of a, a machine or an engine that kind of train mm-hmm. the top three, find out which one can train the other ones. And, and um, in <laughs> essence, keep the, keep, keep the best performing ones. But Again, that's those are those are for higher budget um, type. But in the beginning, it, it's you need to have this is this is uh, hands down. You need to have your metrics. You need to go through the weeds of it first to understand: is this is it your process, is it the person, or is it the product? So if if you're if you're like here's here's the scripts, here's all this sort of stuff, and you haven't really done it for longer than a week and full time to see like. You can't expect someone else, even though we are, I would consider us uh, pretty good at what we do. Um, we're not going to have the same analytical ability of looking at your sales process than you would. So we're going to miss things or anybody else that's doing this for you, even a new salesperson is going to miss things than you. It sucks. Uh, but <laughs> if you do it, it will pay dividends down the road because you'll, you'll just be so much more efficient and have realistic expectations. Are they doing a good job or are they not? So
0: um, I want to, you know, and I could talk forever on this sales uh, in the lead gen topic, and uh, and maybe we'll come back to that. We've only got a few minutes uh, left with you here. Uh, but I do want to talk about kind of this production seat. And you've kind of mentioned, um, you know, when you're outsourcing for expertise, that's better local. Uh, but just kind of like the sales seat, is there any uh, hope for agencies uh, being able to bring in uh, outsourced, lower cost people to help out with um, within the web design process or within the digital marketing process uh, for their clients. Uh, have you guys worked with any agencies and had success in that area?
1: A- absolutely. And and one of the one of the avenues we're looking at um, is potentially kind of partnering with someone that has worked with agencies for a long time and doing a, a small offering of of kind of uh, SEO. But SEO like that that name SEO has just gotten bastardized a little bit from all of the Indian companies that come in and say yeah I can do this and in essence it's just hocus pocus sort of thing. Um, this this is more what are the procedural things that um, like optimization of, of keywords with kind of a, a strategic approach and then systemizing for someone that comes off of like web dot. Or someone that's paying for something, but they're really not. It's that next level. So you can train someone as long as it's not creative, where they're making a lot of analytical decisions, and it's more process based. And it's a repetitive thing that happens over and over again. um, That's, that's really doable. Uh it, it's it's the ones where every single time it's different and you have to have all these years of experience and be like, oh, this is a judgment call. You know what I think this is and being really creative. That's really hard to do without someone with a ton of years of experience. So, so I am I answering your question? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I I I'm just kind of thinking about some things. I mean, you know, if you had a ten-point checklist of things to look at for QA, uh, love, or
1: oh, we love checklists. We love like <laughs> like, like oh, like to-do lists and checklists and quality control and making sure things are uh, like uh, like correct. And if there's a process behind it, or we can create one, that is one of the um, then you know someone else can likely do it and do it well. Uh, if, if it's just hey, I need you to do this and there's no structure. And that's one of the things is if, if you're going into outsourcing and you have very little structure, it, you're going to have a tough go. Yeah. If, it, it, well, one of the things that we, we realized is a lot of clients didn't, we actually create uh, process documents for them and we require them to do screen sharing sessions. So in essence, you don't waste your time creating the process. You just show us on a computer. And if it's basic enough, we can, we can then um, uh, execute that in the same session where we're doing it in front of you. And then you say yes or no. And then we go back and create a process document from that with screenshots and instructions. That way we prove to you what we learned and it's all about that training. So if you're ever like, no matter what you're outsourcing, even to your, not even even training your local staff. um, If there's things that you need to, they need to prove to you that they can do it correctly. This is by far the best approach. I mean, we've uh, hundreds of thousands of tasks we've taken on and this is always our, our, always the one that works the best.
0: Yeah. When we, uh, our, our camp program, which is kind of our, our flagship, I mean, to, to deliver this program, you know, I was spending 40 plus hours a week. We were able to automate about half of that work. And then the other half I had my product manager take over. And, uh, I mean, just this year, we were kind of looking at his time and he was feeling very like doing the same. He kind of felt like Groundhog Day every week where he was uh doing the same task. I mean it was it was very process driven. Uh and we we kind of went the empowerment approach. We we didn't want to replace him, we wanted him to do more valuable stuff. So we, you know, brought you guys on to take over that twenty hours uh, a week of work. And um and it is very checklist oriented. Like, hey, every week we have to do these, you know, 15 things for this cohort. Uh, and, and that's worked really well for us. So I think if anybody out there has that type of a task within their teams, um, it's maybe not about outsourcing a full seat or outsourcing, like you said, the creativity or that knowledge work. Uh, but it's it's you know if you if you find yourself executing against checklists and doing those same checklists every week. That's, to me, always the the light bulb should go on. Hey, maybe somebody else could do this, right? Maybe I could have uh, an upwork person or, or, or managed outsourced personnel like you guys do uh, take this over. Or Maybe that would be the right thing to bring a VA in to take over.
1: Yeah, and we, we have a, a, a kind of a, a best practices approach where it's you first lay out all the different things that the tasks you're doing, and then you group them. Uh, you first prioritize them on obviously you can't physically have to be there, but um, then what are the things that are taking the most amount of your time, and then out of that that bucket, uh, what are the things that are the quickest to train someone new, just fresh off the street. So if you if you look at it from I'm just someone smart, but they've never done this before, and and you have that approach with how they can take over that task, you're going to do quite well. Nice. If if you anticipate, or if you're like, oh, they need to know this, 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 things are going to be lost and it's going to be clunky, but you can do it. But it's, uh, um, I when I train my staff for any new tasks, I just assume, even though they're extremely intelligent, uh, they've never done it. And that way there's no miscommunication because you have a cultural exchange. You have a language exchange just because even my wife's Australian, you, even because I speak English and she speaks English, we don't communicate well sometimes. <laughs> so, so, uh, uh it, it's, it's all about communication and trust because these people are, are working. You don't see them on a day to day basis. So if you can't communicate well, or if you don't trust them, uh, that they're doing the things they need to do, then, um, and it's it, trust. Trust comes with awesome communication, really. And uh, the, the only one thing I, I, I do want to mention about um, about I think you mentioned about technology about outsourcing kind of d- developers and that uh, we we don't do any kind of like like hardcore technology. It, it's very project based, and it's hard to maintain quality. Um, and those really quality developers um, and technology people, uh, one they're hard to keep. Two, the, if they're really good, they have all the projects, so they're, they're, they're spread thin. So when you find good tech people, uh, really value them and keep them as close and, and, and happy as possible. Because it's when you, I'm sure people have experience of things that you go cheaper, and then all of a sudden, like it's taking them three times as much. Where if you just would have gone a little bit more expensive, that person could have it, cracked it out in like like a third of the time. Uh, that's what we found in from from our experience when we, we, we outsource our technology as well. We don't we have a few people in house, but it's not a service that we really provide.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's really valuable insight, uh, Jahan. This has been a fascinating conversation. Uh, I feel like there's a few more topics around outsourcing that could be a second episode. So we'll maybe leave people hanging on those. But uh, as we kind of wrap up our show, uh, we're going to do our lightning round. Are you ready for that?
1: I am. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? I I would say focus. So when we started the company, we tried to be uh, uh, be all to uh, like we would take everything under the sun. You you had a you need to travel? Sure, we can do that. And uh, we we lost focus of what we could really do, or we were still figuring out. Now we're so focused on what we can and can't do. It has helped immensely in. Uh, Client happiness or staff happiness, just uh, everything all all together. When you're starting out or when you're growing, um, taking those clients and you learn over time uh, which ones are are bad clients or which ones are going to be huge pains in the ass. Uh, Like having the ability to say no and you're a lot more better off than you ever think you are um, looking at it from the other side.
0: Awesome. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your
1: success? Oh, I think my thirst for knowledge. I love how things work. That's why I love I love my job because I get to talk to so many business owners and learn how their companies work from the inside. And uh, that's why I did it at Deloitte as well. And very, very very few people get to see the inner workings of what, such a broad. I would get bored if I was just in one company doing the same thing over and over again. So I, and and with marketing too, you have lots of different clients. So um, that's uh, my my thirst of understanding how that works and seeing how I can help other people. Uh, That's probably my, uh, uh, my, my best one. Can
0: you share uh, an app, an internet resource or a tool that you use? you think our listeners would find valuable? Yeah. And
1: it's, it's, (laughs) I thought about it and I'm like, what, What's kind of a insider, what, uh, like insider tool that uh, like no one really knows about sort of thing? And and it's actually the opposite. Uh, I use WhatsApp by far the most, and the voice note part of that, and pictures with my sales team. How I connect with because um, when you're working virtually, you you, you I mean, ninety nine percent of my staff are overseas, so. Uh, when I'm not there, it, WhatsApp is just a great way. And if I send quick voice notes are so convenient so than trying to type out everything, it's got a desktop app. Um, that's how we communicate urgent things. When if there's any client issues uh, it's just uh, by far one of the, like for, for, for company wise and personal. Uh, yeah. WhatsApp.
0: Very cool. And uh, what book would you recommend?
1: Uh, well, this one is a little self-serving is it's, it's I, I met Tim, a, a, a bunch of times, uh, the four hour work week, it just changes your, it, it changes your thought, your mentality. And uh, the, I have, I have, I have the opposite. It's more of a 48 hour work week. If I wrote a book <laughs> because the, 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 the idea of someone else doing it for you, um, he's more in the kind of the change your lifestyle and, um, uh, Change your lifestyle and be able to kind of do things really on the on on the cheap. Whereas business owners need to look at it more as a value. What's what's my time worth, um, and what's going to be a consistent thing that's going to be um, there when I'm not uh, uh, when I'm not around. or or kind of didn't be able to scale. So, but it it really, really opens your eyes of what the possibilities are. And it's really looking at your company thinking, you know, I need to do everything here and saying, I have actually a lot of other options. Um, What's my best, what's my best path forward? Because, you know, there's a lot of other people doing uh, we wouldn't be in business of this big if there wasn't a huge demand. So if you're not doing it in some form or fashion uh, you're probably going to be a little less competitive uh, than, than, your 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 other um, people in your industry.
0: Very cool, Jahan, How can uh, our audience find out
1: more about you? Yep, uh, we 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 do have a website. <laughs> it's about uh, Congratulations! Ne- <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, it's it's brand new. No, just um, it's uh, noon Dalton N O O N D is in dog A-L-T-O-N.com. com. And there you can um, uh, contact us. Uh, you're um, happy to reach out to me. Uh, I'm on there as well. Uh, but uh, we have a, a wonderful sales staff in the Philippines and the States uh, that you're able to talk to. And then actually, yeah, if you talk to them, you can get a firsthand, uh, um, firsthand approach on what, what that experience would be like if you did have an outsourced sales team. Very cool. Well, I definitely,
0: uh, can, can recommend, uh, you guys. I mean, we are, we are a new Dalton customer. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us on the show today, talking about how to succeed with outsourcing and, uh, you know, maybe evaluate whether this is right for your business or not. So, uh, Jahan, thank you so much.
1: Uh, I had a blast. Thank you. All right, guys, that is
0: it for our program this week. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content about growing your agency, changing your mindset, and achieving more freedom in your business and life. I'm Brent Weaver. Until next time. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out? Cash crunched?